This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Tuesday the 14th of December 2021. And Norman, it's a big week for a lot of different places in Australia. My home state of Queensland opened its borders yesterday. Tomorrow, the Tasmanian borders reopen. South Australia has been open for a little while now. And we now know that WA has set a date for opening up as well. So for the places that have been living with COVID for a while in Australia, that's sort of like, yeah, nice for you guys. Well done. But for for the rest of Australia, it's a real kind of moment in time and a real kind of step out into the unknown. So we're getting questions from our audience about this. What to expect when you're expecting COVID to come? Yes. And it's much more frightening when you haven't got any COVID to getting some COVID. South Australia is a good example. Um, there was a big wobble last week when they started, we got a super spreader event and Lucifer they were going to get a really big surge. Yeah, it didn't give them very long. It was like days in and they were already dealing with that. Yeah, and you know, talk, talk about shutting borders again, even lockdown and, and so on. And it's important to hold your water on this to, to actually see what the net effect is in terms of hospitalizations. If you're living in Victoria or New South Wales, Victoria, 1,200 cases a day, New South Wales over 500 cases. I mean, it's possible, I suppose, that in New South Wales, you could have over 1,000 cases a day by Christmas or New Year um, if it's growing exponentially. But hospitalizations are not going nuts because of a high level of immunization. What's troubling, we might come back to that in a future coronacast, is that there may be stalling of second doses, which we can't afford. But what to expect? Well, what to expect is cases. What the public health people have been saying now for a long time is that you cannot rely on vaccination to control this pandemic. And those public health experts were talking about the possibility of variants as much as anything else, but also knowing that Delta is also a bit vaccine resistant. And now we've got Omicron coming along. So one of the key decisions, and we don't know whether that's changed at the time of us recording this coronacast, is that Tomorrow, New South Wales is supposed to lift a lot of restrictions, including to unvaccinated people. Do they do that in a world of Omicron? Because vaccines will not hold the line necessarily against Omicron. They might prevent severe disease yet to be known. So the answer is, moving forward, is a varying degree of public health and social measures. What you've seen with Queensland opening up is quite a rigid process of pre-testing and post-testing before you arrive, fully vaccinated, still with a lot of quarantine in certain circumstances. And that's likely to help control things, but not guarantee it. What about other things, though, like at the individual level, things like uh, social distancing and maybe even masks? That's right. So masks are cheap and effective. They reduce transmission of the COVID-19 virus by 60 or 70 percent. They do protect you to some extent. Even a surgical mask, without well, it's not perfectly fitted, will protect you to some extent against the virus and make social distancing less important. So certain indoor environments would benefit from mask wearing because it just reduces the risk that much more. The other thing that could reduce the risk more, particularly with Christmas coming up, is rapid antigen testing. But to abandon all social measures, or most of them, is probably, as they would say, a brave decision. And we just need to look at Denmark. We've been watching them since mid-September, September 10th, when they opened up virtually completely. Why are we watching Denmark? Because they've had a staged opening, which is in fact what Australia has done and, it con- and continues to do. 
But they've gone from 300 cases a day in September to, I think, uh, 6,600 at the weekend. And they've got Omicron growing quickly. I think they've got 1,200 cases cumulatively of Omicron in a population the size of metropolitan Sydney. Well, we had a question from Devco asking, you sort of touched on it before, how's the decoupling going? Is Denmark giving us any clues as to how the case numbers equate to, say, hospitalisations and deaths? So hospitalisations are going up, but they're not going up at the same rate as the as the cases are. And in fact, deaths are going down. So serious disease seems to be going down a bit. So there's a bit of decoupling, but not it's not complete. And then someone from Tassie has written in basically saying kind of how to modulate your own individual behaviour. So we can talk about vaccination at the population level and things like different policies around that. But this person just wants to know how and when should they be changing their current behaviour? Should they still go to the gym, Norman? Uh, And this person says for them, it's their mental health break from work. It's one of the ways that they de-stress. So it's not just about physical health for them as well. It's mental health. Yeah, I mean, as long as you know the potential risks, the gyms are potentially risky places, particularly with Omicron coming along, and you've got to make your own decision about that. My decision is that so far I haven't gone back to the gym, although I noticed yesterday they're starting to charge me my monthly rate again, (laughs) so I'll have to have a think about that. If you go in and it's feeling hot and stuffy and it's not properly ventilated, I just go out again. But if you've got a well-ventilated gym with high ceilings and it just feels fresh with a lot of air flowing the risk may be actually quite low. Is there something in maybe using daily case numbers as a bit of a weather report? Like the way you go, should I take my umbrella today or not? Is it if COVID's in your area, you pack a mask or you maybe change your plans? Or is that maybe getting a bit too chicken little about it? I think that you could be too smart about it and and modulate your behaviour in too granular a fashion, you've probably got to regularise it so that you're in a, you're, you create a habit. And the habit is when you go to the shops, you wear your mask. When you get on a train, you wear your mask. Uh, when you're in a retail, particularly an enclosed retail environment, you wear your mask. Um, obviously, you can't in a bar or a restaurant, and those are high-risk environments, but you've just got to accept that. So this is all happening around the same time as Omicron's coming out. Like we said, we've got the boosters on the horizon. How does Omicron and the use of boosters in Australia change the what's coming down the track for us as we reopen? It means that we've really got to get on and do the booster regime. We've spoken about a lot on Coronacast. And it means that vaccines are not going to hold the line against infections so that we've got to have social measures in place, QR codes, masks, the ability to control the situation when it breaks out. And so we've talked this week about the Moderna booster being approved for use as a half dose. People are keen for it. And I think there's been a lot of pharmacies whose phones have been ringing off the hook this week, Norman. And this person has written in to us saying they went to get their Moderna booster from a community pharmacy only to have the embarrassed nurse say that while she was aware that the Australian Technical Advisory Group on Immunisation had given approval for Moderna boosters, that the pharmacy hadn't received the necessary approvals to actually dispense it despite having plenty in stock. Yeah, I think there's a lot of variation in how pharmacies and GPs are interpreting this, although GPs are just coming into their Moderna stock uh, as we speak. But I, I would suspect that a pharmacy is open to be, is perfectly open to give the Moderna vaccine in half a dose should they wish. It's been approved. They know how to do it and they feel safe to do it. Nobody's going to take them to court over it. I mean, it does have shadows of earlier in the uh, vaccine rollout situation where we did have announcements happening and then it took a little bit of time for the wheels to keep turning in pharmacies and GP practices. But 
surely it'll only be a, a matter of short time, hopefully. Well, you'd think so. And on vaccines, we do get a, question, a lot of questions about Novavax, um, people saying that they would like to wait for Novavax. But there's another paper that's come out looking at comparing Novavax to other vaccines, and it's not as good as what maybe people were hoping for. So just to be brief about this, because a lot of people already had their second dose, but this just gives you an idea that not all vaccines are equal. And this is uh, a study of second doses and mixing them and to see whether or not any are better or worse than others. And what they found was, cut long story short, that Novavax wasn't as good as using one of the mRNA vaccines for your second dose. It still gave you a reasonable rise, but it wasn't as good as the, uh, as the other two. We kind of know that anyway, because the clinical trials of Novavax showed that it was at the lower end of the mRNA performance level. Better than Astra, but not quite as good as the mRNA vaccines. So for the few people that we've heard are intentionally hanging on for Novavax, does this study give us any indication of how it performs if you were getting it for both doses? Well, we know that from the clinical trials, and I think if you're getting about 90% effectiveness against symptomatic disease with Novavax compared to a little bit higher than that for Pfizer and a bit higher than that for Moderna. So it's, it's up there. It's perform- it performs pretty well as a double-dose vaccine. But most people in Australia who are looking to get vaccinated are looking for their third shot at this stage, given how high our vaccination levels are. And Tom's saying, Norman, I know immunity fades significantly after six months from the second dose, but is there any evidence on how long it takes for immunity to fade after the third dose, if at all? No, not yet. <laughs> Easy. No evidence at all? It will, it will come through eventually, but we haven't got it yet. And we will need to have it for Omicron, really, moving forward. And another question about boosters. This person's wife is pregnant and due for her booster, and they're seeing conflicting information on booster shots for pregnant women. What's the recommendation as to whether the booster is safe and which one is the one to get? So just going on official recommendations is that pregnant women absolutely have to have a good level of immunity against COVID-19. They should get a booster. And the government recommendation is, in fact, uh, you can be offered Pfizer or Moderna and happily take either. Well, that's all we've got time for on today's CoronaCast. But if you've got questions about anything COVID-related, borders, boosters, the lot, you can send us a message at abc.net.au slash coronacast. And we'll see you tomorrow. See you then. 